I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome into the 247 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Pataka alongside the 247 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins and Drew, it is National Signing Day. I guess we're calling it late signing day. The early signing period has now kind of become the default signing period. We've talked a lot about you, your first cycle going through this. You finally kind of get to put the cherry on top of this thing. But we got a, a, a really good topic this morning that I think our audience is going to like. We're going to talk about a couple of classes that we want to highlight for a positive review outside of the top 10 and maybe hit on one outside of the top 25 as well. But Drew, big day for you. You're in Nashville. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Um, ready to just move on to the 2024 cycle, but this is signing day. It's crazy how things have changed. And no, I know we talked about it earlier in the week, but what, 90, over 90% of the guys signed. It just feels like this is kind of, <laughs> I, I don't know, like it, the day is not what it used to be. Um, which I think we expected, but it is what it is. There used to be so much hype around this day. Like growing up as a kid, I remember like when I was in high school and, you know, being from New Orleans, one of the guys that I remember one of my favorite signing day stories, and it wasn't a positive one, was Joe McKnight from New Orleans. You know, that that was the the standout, the five-star All-American. We always wondered where he was going to go. And LSU was in it. And USC was in it, and that was Pete Carroll in his heyday right after Reggie Bush. And he kind of shocked the world and went out to L.A. And, you know, like the, I, I don't feel that anymore, right? There's not a, like we're, we're waking up and we're kind of waiting for that big announcement. And it, it used to seem like a lot of these recruitments and there's the our, our fair share of drama, right? Like like we've covered Cormani McClain and Jaden Rashada here the last couple of weeks, but just doesn't, doesn't feel as big. You know, like, and and I'm not even really talking about February, but some of these recruitments, I just feel like they play out earlier and earlier in the cycle. Yeah, it it is. But I even just go back to like last year. Remember, we had Shamar Stewart at the deadline, Trevante Citizen at the deadline. It's just I don't. I'm just trying to put my thumb on what what changed in 12 months. Is it like nil, <laughs> the transfer portal? Like I, I don't know. I mean. It's just something I've been thinking about how and, and there's still some big ones out there. Nicholas Harbor coming off the board, Deuce Robinson coming off the board, Roderick Pleasant, the Harris twins. But really, I mean, it's just it's a handful of guys. Um, it's crazy. 
All right, well, let's get into it. Let's talk about a couple of teams that have caught our eyes, and I want to start with you, and I think we're on the same page with this one, but a team just outside of the top 10 and a team just outside of the top 15, that is South Carolina. Shane Beamer has done a remarkable job on the recruiting trail, and people you know, who, who are maybe, I hate using this term, the Josh Pate term, but are a little bit more casual, right? And you're looking at South Carolina, and you're looking at them at number 16. Maybe there's not a lot to see there. But if you look at what South Carolina has done in the past, I believe they finished in the top 25 last year, which we thought was significant for them. A year later, you turn another chapter of the book and here they are banging on the door of the top 15. Drew, I know you love their class. What are a couple of reasons why? Yeah, so I think we kind of brainstormed this idea, right? Let's show some some love to some classes outside of the top 10. And, and I think we're going to get into a few outside the top 25. and. South Carolina is a group where I well, I saw a lot of their kids in Orlando at the Under Armour All-America game. So that, that's kind of the basis and my thought behind this. And then you dig into the class and it's it's I think it's a, a bunch of potential difference makers and guys that can have an impact in the SEC. And, and why is that important if you're listening to this podcast? Well, South Carolina, like, I mean, they're in the SEC. They're going to play the Georgias. They're going to play the Floridas. Uh, and we'll see what the divisions like look like when they add Oklahoma and Texas or how they shuffle up the schedule. But, you know, they're playing in, in the premier conference, quote unquote. Um, and Shane Beamer, I think, is just doing a great job of, of getting talent. You mentioned last year that they signed a top 25 group. I think a lot of people forget in 2021 they signed – what I believe was the worst recruiting class in the history of the SEC. They finished 80th, right? 80th. That was Beamer's first year. Everyone was kind of scratching their head. Hey, what is this guy doing? Fast forward two years, and now they have uh, a, a group that's 16th on. As we start Wednesday morning, I, I mean, there's going to be some movement. Um, I don't think they're going to shoot into the top 10, uh, but that's where they are. And it would be their best recruiting class since 2012, which was the first year. 24-7 sports started doing rankings. That's when they finished 15th. Um, I love this group. Seven guys from Georgia, seven guys from South Carolina, four from Florida. I think it's kind of loaded on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the, the real strength of the class is on the offensive line. Um, I, I think they got four future multi-year starters or guys that could be multi-year star starters. Um, Olatosin Babalade. I think I nailed that. I watched a few YouTube videos just to prepare it. The guy we called Tree, that was a big win. Top 247 defensive lineman out of the DMV. You know, he was committed to South Carolina, decommitted, visited Maryland. Cooper, I pointed out in the past that the Maryland-South Carolina beef on the recruiting recruiting trail is uh, it's pretty intense. So weird. It, <laughs> I, it just doesn't, I, I mean, I get it from like a geographical standpoint, but those are two teams like you would never expect to like tangle. Right. So Tree, we love. We, we got him in the top two, four, seven, 82 inch wingspan, size 16 shoes, four, eight, five on the shuttle. Um, Shane Beamer, I guess, kind of in the days leading up to signing day, climbed into a tree in his front yard and, and was FaceTiming Tree, just showing him how much he wanted him, trying to drive home some points. So that was an awesome signing day storyline. Uh, I like him. Another guy, probably no one on this podcast has heard of, unless you are a South Carolina fan. Jatavia Shivers, 
Uh, he's a lineman out of out of Atlanta or outside of Atlanta, right there in Georgia. Over six foot seven, he's got an eighty-three inch wing. So I think they got two potential bookend tackles: um, Marquise Anderson, Trovon Baugh in the middle. That that's the O line group. I, I you know it it starts in the trenches, and and I think that group's good. And then when you kind of expand out, Lenora Sellers is a quarterback that they flipped from Syracuse late. Uh, was a riser in the rankings for us. Super talented athlete can run the football. Um, and, you know, I don't want to get I, I don't know what direction to go here, but I, I do like this group for Shane Beamer. And, and that, that's kind of the bottom line. Like, I think this is the step in the right direction. And at the end of the day, not, not only do you got to build up, build up the trenches, but you got to stack recruiting class on top of recruiting class. That's how you build out your two deep uh, and then supplement with the transfer portal. So I think what Shane Beamer has done is it being talked about probably enough on a national level. I think from let's let's take this two ways right let's look at it from a micro level way and let's evaluate the class for what it is and i think you hit on it i think what they did on the defensive side of the ball is what stands out to me the most i mean guys like desmond umiazulu right who are knocking on the door of top 100 status at the end of the day and we really like this guy being able to get him out of the dmv 66 240 pounds plus these are the type of guys you have to win on, especially in those areas. You know, outside of that, Xavier McLeod was another guy that Georgia, Miami were battling for. So to be able to keep a guy like that home, Marquis Anderson, the same deal on the opposite side of the ball, right? Those were big wins. And Andrew, we don't really talk about this guy a lot, but we did earlier in the process because I believe he was one of your personal favorite prospects. And it was kind of this battle we saw between Shane Be Beamer and Billy Napier and Grayson Pup Howard, right? But you think about that front seven, what they're doing there. Montague Rames, I didn't even really talk about him, but another six foot five, 240 pound plus kind of frame, height, weight, speed guy, bubbling with potential. And then Bakari Swain, who I know I have to mention because I, I there's a lot of love there uh, behind the curtains at 24 7 Sports for Bakari Swain, Kelton Henderson. The list goes on and on. And I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, they have 12 early enrollees and other guys, uh, another 10 guys that have already signed. Top to bottom, I thought this was a really complete class. And that is really what impressed me. The other part that you said that you mentioned at the end was being able to stack recruiting classes on top of each other. And I think for South Carolina, now what they've done, not only in recruiting, but on the field as well, they've, they've had seasons where their trajectory, consecutive seasons where the arrow continues to point up, right? This year, big win at home against a top 10 Tennessee team. And then to end the season beating a team like Clemson for the first time in however many years, obviously very significant for Shane Beamer in South Carolina. And for me, you want to see that reflected on the recruiting trail. And I think in the last two years, We've seen that the first year under Beamer going seven and six was a little bit of a surprise winning the Duke's Mayo Bowl and then seeing the success that they had this year. You know, I, I mentioned the, the wins against Tennessee and Clemson. That is huge for them in the grand scheme of things. I love what they're doing. And like Lenore Sellers, if you don't know anything about him, I thought that was actually a pretty big win for them to be yeah. able to, to to be able to get him in the boat and get a guy like that behind Spencer Radler that you feel has some developmental qualities. So 
a lot to like there. Drew, any final thoughts on on South Carolina? Now you you mentioned Pop Howard, Jalen Kilgore is another guy we like in South Carolina. Kind of was in on him early. I think they've done a good job of identifying talent, getting it on campus. Um, you know, Pop Howard, one of the more unique individuals. He didn't even fly to his official visit. He drove. Uh, I think it was like six hours from Jacksonville to to Columbia, South Carolina. Not even in a car service. You don't you don't kind of hear that. And I think he's getting guys that are building into to what he's doing. And Shane Beamer, as as weird as he's been in terms of like quirky stuff on social media, you know, he did the the photo at was it Bojangles that Steve Spurrier did, and then th this year he did that. Uh, the video with the, the sunglasses at SEC Media Day right before that. I think it's. I think kids relate to him, and, and I'll, I'll point out as we pivot to the next team. But South Carolina, if you look at the 2024 rankings, they're sitting number nine right now. They've had a big few days. They've added um, over the past two weeks. I, I want to say they've added three top two, four, seven players: Cam Pringle, offensive lineman from the state; Michael Smith, the tight end out of Savannah. Uh, and then Wendell Gregory, an off-ball linebacker from uh, in, in Georgia. So it's not just what they're doing in 2023. I think in 2024, they could once again have a top 25 class. Give those guys a lot of credit. Taylor Edwards, the director of player personnel over there. I mentioned that name because I think the early identification and evaluation process has been pretty darn good if you're a Gamecocks fan as well. All right, Drew, drum roll for mine. And this is one that maybe caught you by surprise. I feel like our teams, like typically the team that I'm going to pick here, I'm going to just say at Florida State, right, at ranked at number 20, that's a you pick. And South <laughs> Carolina is such a me pick. So it's pretty funny to find us on, on opposite sides here. But Florida State, it, you always talked about this class and you said you really like this class, right? It might not be like a headliner class in terms of being a top 10 class for Mike Norvell, but you combine it with what they continue to do in the transfer portal right now, the number two transfer portal class, according to 24 seven sports, you know, I love Hakeem Williams and you know <laughs> what I think about him, but that has all the makings of a wide receiver one. And if it comes together, I think it can be pretty special. Lucas Simmons, another guy that we have in our top 64 in our two, our day two range with day one traits, right? And if the game continues to slow down for him, I really like the situation that he's going into with Alex Atkins in Tallahassee. I think he can grow and develop organically there. And I thought this was the best fit for him altogether. And he had a lot of options. So for Florida State to be able to hold on to a talent like that, we talked a little bit about Brock Glenn a week ago, right, comparing guys to Brock Purdy, who could be that next guy. I think you drop him in there, and this is a guy that really just knows how to navigate and, and facilitate an offense, right? It has really good command of that, and if you're talking about surrounding him with guys like Hakeem Williams, Dendravius Jacobs, uh, Darren Goldie Lawrence, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? And then on the defensive side of the ball, huge fan of Conrad Hussey. You and I have talked about him. I thought that was a really big win for them down the stretch, flipping him from Penn State. They get Blake Nicholson all the way out from the state of California, KJ Sampson, uh, who we really like out of the state of North Carolina, big, active interior presence. Then Edwin Joseph, I just feel like we haven't talked about him. I, I, I kind of developed a late scouting crush on him uh, later in the process once you kind of brought him to our attention. But 
I mean, you look at the quality it takes here. There's a lot to work with in Tallahassee. Last guy I'll mention out of Mississippi, Quindarius Jones. I got to see him at Alabama, Mississippi. He's a little bit raw, but you love the size. You love the clay. I think this is a guy that's going to develop into uh, a starting safety after two to three years in the program, right? So I really like the job that Mike Norvell in Florida State did in this 2023 cycle. I shared a sideline with Mike Norvell down here in Fort Lauderdale after they beat LSU in that game, uh, which was a monster win for a variety of different reasons. And we saw how the season progressed, but just talking with him, you know, exchanging thoughts and, and notes on kids. And I kind of asked him about his, his strategy at the time, Florida state's class was, yeah, how many high schoolers is it right now? It's 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 not a lot, right? 16 or 17. I think they were sitting around 12 and we talk about what they, we talked about what they did in the transfer portal and I I said, "Hey, do, do you you know, do you think you have kind of the formula figured out in terms of how many how many high school kids you want to take and then how many veterans you want to get bring in every year just given your guys success and and what you've been able to do?" Uh, with Jermaine Johnson, I mean, um, Jared Verse, Jordan Travis, that that was a, a veteran guy they got from somewhere. And he told me that they just want to get good football players. That's what it's going to come down to, bringing in good football players, whether that kid has been uh, at another Power 5 program, a Group of 5 program, or they're playing high school football. And I do think when you look at this class, it's not super big, right? It's not one of these monster 30-person classes, but – I don't see a bunch of takes where I'm like, hey, I don't get this one. You just rattled off all the headliners you like and, you know, not to, to flex here, but, you know, what about some of these guys that a lot of people don't know about? K.J. Kirkland, uh, kid out of Jacksonville. You know, he's a, a big DB pushing six foot two kid. I've seen a ton on the camp circuit. Right. He, he, you know, wasn't challenged a, a ton uh, on Friday nights, but I've seen him in coverage. I think that guy has NFL traits and we have him outside of the top two, four, seven. Um, but I really like him. Uh, another guy kind of in the same mold, Jabril Rawls, a kid they, they took off Florida's panhandle. I was at the Florida, uh, Florida state's elite camp and, you know, they worked him out. Mike Norvell was kind of following him around. They made that evaluation. Uh, he goes on to have a monster season. And then I, the one I, I want to see what, what happens with is, Andre Otto, um, which I, I'm upset because 24-7 Sports didn't send me down to Key West to scout this kid. Uh, he's he's in the Conk Republic, um, the biggest re recruit to ever come out of, of Key West. And two-way lineman, um, could have went to Stanford, was looking at going to Princeton, and he's going to play for Alex Atkins and saw him in the camp setting as well. So bottom line, I, I think there's depth across the board. I think they're adding talent at at premium positions, right? So offensive tackle, big play wide receiver, defensive back. Some of those positions are pretty hard to get guys out of the transfer portal, right? Everyone's fighting for the same dudes. Um, so I think they're doing a, a really good job. And I'll end with this on, on Florida State. They're number three right now in the class of 2024. I don't know if that's a theme for this um, entire exercise, but we like what they have committed in the following cycle as well. Just saw one of their guys, Cam Davis, up there at Orlando Pylon. We, we've talked about Luke Cromanoke, the quarterback. So uh, just something to, to marinate on. We're going to take a quick break. Keep it locked to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Drew, real quick, got to plug the show. Guys, we appreciate you listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe. You can also leave a rating as well. You can find us anywhere you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else. So we appreciate you guys listening. I think we're what, Drew, week three into this, right? Feels like we've been doing it a lot <laughs> longer, but only only week three for us. All right, the next two teams are going to be two teams I think we decided outside of the top 25. That really kind of caught our eye a little bit. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you on this one. And this is a team that I think – really around the draft, we start to talk about a little bit more, right? And then uh, with Brett Bielema up there in Illinois, if you didn't know who we're talking about, that's who we're talking about. But he's had a lot of success in Florida. And you look at this class and it really it doesn't jump off the page to you, right? Number 41 in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. But you, you kind of like a little, a little of the mix of what they brought in this cycle. I do. And and Illinois is always one where I don't want to say you do a double take when they when they offer someone, but they too really good evaluators. One of the top freshmen in all of college football this past year, Gabe Akis, was a kid from the Sunshine State. We had a, a three star grade on him, and he played his tail off. I think PFF consistently graded him out. So. Um, you always, when they, when they offer someone, you, you kind of look at it and you study it. Um, senior bowl is going on right now. Coop, I think they got three guys there in mobile, three defensive backs, all from the state of Florida. Uh, the big three didn't offer any of them. We we've talked about that. I, and I, one of our shows airways at, at one point, um, about the fact that they had those guys, Kirby Joseph for the Detroit lions had an excellent season or, or a, a solid season for a rookie. They get three interceptions in one of those games I was watching. He's a kid from Orlando, flew under the radar. So they they have a – I hate the term like they, they find some hidden gems, but it seems like Illinois has a knack for, for doing that. Um, Brett, since he's he's come there, they, they've gone around the country and, and found talent. I mean, they got eight guys from in the state, but, but five from Florida in this recruiting class, two from Michigan, two from New Jersey, a kid out of Louisiana – uh, a couple junior college kids from Mississippi, um, so it's a, a diverse group, and they're expanding that brand. I mean, it's 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 Illinois, and and they had a, a heck of a season. Just a few guys I want to highlight. I'm going to let you talk about Malik Elzey because you saw him a bunch at the All American Bowl. He actually announced for the Illini there um, during that NBC broadcast. 
We thought he had a great week. We actually awarded him a, a fourth star there at the buzzer. Um, but, but but two from Florida, Canary Wiltshire. He's a kid at Moorhaven High School, um, which is um, kind of by the Okeechobee River. He had a ridiculous senior season. And I, I originally think, I, I believe Illinois was, was, was tracking him as a defensive back. Well, they might let him play receiver. He caught 58 passes, 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns. Uh, re- really nice take. Um, don't think that's a school that a, a ton of uh, programs will, will check out when they make the rounds in South Florida, but Illinois did. They found him. And then the other guy, Calvin Smith, uh, if you're looking for a candidate to be the next Gabe Akis, I think it's this kid. He is a six three and a half edge rusher, um, explosive individual who really came on late as a senior, 19 and a half sacks. And that's such an important indicator. Um, you know, was reading some some NFL draft stuff the other day, and they pointed out, you know, at the end of the day, you can talk about upside, upside this and, and that, but, you know, you have to get to the quarterback if you're an edge player. And, and 19 and a half sacks and, and Florida's highest classification is is pretty dang impressive. Six foot nine wingspan on him. Um, so, uh, again, an, another solid take uh, for Illinois. And, they got junior college guys. You know Brett's going to stock those trenches with individuals. Cal Swanson, our, our buddy Tom Loy, friend of the podcast, uh, who covers Notre Dame, he always is watching QBs, and he continues to consistently bring up Cal, Cal to me. Um, so I, I like this group. You know, Again, it's sitting 41 in the rankings, right? A lot of people are going to be like, all right, you know, who cares? But I would, would not be shocked if two, three, four of these guys get drafted and then I think it's a group that's going to allow them to continue to remain competitive there in the Big Ten. It's such a niche, like, recruiting blueprint, right, especially, like, geographically. Illinois, not known as a state that year in and year out produces Sunday talent, but eight guys from the state of Illinois, which I think is pretty healthy, five from Florida and the Sunshine State, like you mentioned, and then Outside of that, it's just kind of you're like peppering it nationally, right? It seems like a little bit more spot recruiting in in a place like Illinois. With the job that Brett Bielema has done, you start to elevate the profile a little bit. You start to carry a little bit more weight. You can get into some of these areas. You mentioned Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri as well, and then New Jersey in in the Northeast. So pretty fascinating in terms of like when you when you take a look under the hood. Yeah, that's a good term. How how Illinois kind of to gets to their end result there, but you know, two names for me. I, I I'm not incredibly well educated on this Illinois class, but two guys that were in San Antonio that I need to mention, Malik Elzey was one of them. You talked about him, the big receiver, 6'2", 200 pounds plus from Chicago. I thought he had a really good week. Physical, strong at the catch point and strong well, as a runner as well. Illinois, we, they want to play smash mouth football, right? They they want to run the rock. Like, that's what they're going to do. And, and to, to me, Malik is, is the perfect perimeter player for that that system and, and that brand of football. Uh, is he a burner? No. Uh, does he have a full-on top-end gear? No. At, at least not now. We'll see what he looks like two, three years in a, a college strength program. You, you can always get more explosive. But he can win balls on the outside. And I think that that's the perfect fit for him. He was awesome at overtime's OT7 event 
back in Las Vegas in the summer months. So not to cut you off, I, I just think he fits what they want to do. Like Illinois knows who they are and what they're going to go get. He's a Big Ten style receiver. You know, and that that's the game that you turn on in late November, December, and that guy's kind of made for that time of year. The other guy is David Alano, the kicker. <laughs> you know, another another uh, Illinois in-state pro, uh, um, product. But man, he had a great week in San Antonio. And listen, it's it, it's almost like during the game, it's almost like a practice simulation, right? in terms of special teams and field goal attempts. Uh, so there really wasn't a lot of pressure on him. I think he he twice from 40-plus, one yeah. of those being 50-plus. Uh, so he certainly has the leg, and he kind of impressed all week. And, hey, here we are talking about kickers. You never know, right? I mean, it, you, well, you got to have one. We saw the importance of that last night in the in the AFC Championship. Their punter, too, he uh... – you know, I kind of do our special specialist rankings. The the punter, he could have worked his way onto the freaks list. This guy's like does discus, shot put, big into weightlifting. I mean, I don't want to go down this road, but uh, yeah, the special special teams room there in uh, at Illinois is is stocked with talent. Honest question, Andrew. Like, when when do you find time to to research Illinois punter as a potential freak list candidate? <laughs> Well, I rank them, you know, I think a few years ago, our, our rankings process on the specialists was not, I don't know, it was, Up it was to not, snuff. yeah, it wasn't vetted. I wasn't happy. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to start watching these guys and getting this statistical information. And then, um, you know, you start going down a wormhole and then, you know, <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. Okay. All right. Let's wrap it up here. A little two minute drill down the stretch. Ole Miss, that's mine. Number 33, right? They're they're transferred to the SIP. That's what Lane Kiffin wants to be. He wants to be the number one transfer destination program in the country. He's done a tremendous job of that. And you look at what they've done on the high school, and you can't just gloss over it. They're ranked number 33. They only have 13. They have 12 signees, one commitment. But I love what they did at the top. You know, Sunterine Perkins, who they had to battle Alabama for down the stretch. Obviously, I think a lot of people who have listened to the show know how we feel about Sunterine Perkins, but I think he is a day one impact player, ended up a top 32 player for us. The other guy that you and I talked about a lot that I think the bottom line was just like, <laughs> he's going to be a very good player at the next level, and he already is. And I would not be shocked if he's playing early in Oxford. Aiden Williams. You just love his game. And you go back to him, and, and and for those of you who don't know the profile on Aiden Williams, out of the state of Mississippi, 6'3", 195 pounds. Going to I, play think he, his, I think he weighs more than that. Sure, and he's going to play his football well over 200 pounds at the next level, probably closer to 210 once he fills out his frame. But, man, smooth route runner, sudden in and out of his breaks, understands how to attack leverage, and then he has his big physical frame, and he attacks the football. I think the first time I saw him was a year ago in January at Battle 7-on-7 seven seven in New Orleans, and I'm like, who is this guy? And then you and I got to see him at the Future 50 in July, and you know there were some, I don't want to say speed concerns, but I, I we wondered how he would hold up in that setting. He had no issue at all. And he had a great day there, was a top performer for us. 
So I love him. And then there's Kedrick Riscano, who's been turning a lot of heads this postseason, especially out in the Polynesian Bowl in Hawaii. So think about what they have at the running back position already, a guy like Quinshawn Junkins. You had Riscano in there, another really powerful inside runner. It's a really nice mix. I thought the other guy that was a mixed bag of a week, but I actually really liked the traits, was, was Braxton Myers out of Texas. I thought that was – a really good get. Jamarius Brown, I can go down the line. We saw it out in Mississippi, a little bit undersized, but super productive, a guy that you want on the interior. And then Bryson Sanders just like screams Ole Miss offensive lineman to me. Dirt dog, doesn't blow you away physically, but just super versatile, nasty at the point of attack. Like that's what you want, right? And that's a guy that's going to excel in that conference. So Take a look at what Ole Miss has done. Another guy, Javante, Javante Connor, who used to be out of the state of Alabama, finished his ball in North Carolina. Ole Miss has done a really good job with these kind of like tweener, heavier set pass catchers, more like H-backs uh, in their passing game. So I think that's another name to note. But listen, if you're going to lean heavier, heavier into the portal, what that means is the quality of takes has to ascend at the high school level, right? We, and, I, and I think they did that. Can we get a – Definition on dirt dog. Dirt dog just likes to mix, mix, mix it up. Maybe a dog that lives under the house. I had a dog that lived under the house, black lab, called him Paws. He was a dirt dog. Okay. Got his hands on everything. Squirrels. I mean, you name it. You know, okay. crows, whatever. That's a dirt dog right there. Okay. He's a dirt, he's a dirt dog. He's he's a big nasty, big ugly, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> <laughs> adding very, it, very loose definition. Okay, adding it to the uh, lexicon here. Uh, 12 high schoolers, you, you said it. I think what stands out to me at the, about the Ole Miss class, they got the top two players in the state of Mississippi, right? Sunterine, Aiden Williams. Um, you mentioned Aiden Williams, all that exposure to him. I actually saw him when he was like a sophomore at Florida's Friday Night Lights camp. He had red hair at the time. You cannot miss him. Um and the big reason why he, he signed with the Rebels, uh, Kel Kelvin Bolden, guy works in the recruiting department. He was recruiting Aiden to Florida and, and got him to Ole Miss. I, I agree with everything you said. I think if you are listening to the podcast and you're trying to picture what Aiden Williams looks like, just think about any Ole Miss wide receiver that's playing on Sundays. Like he fits that mold. He's just a big, rocked up individual. You said it. He's only going to get bigger. Uh, would not be surprised to see him in there. Two other guys I just wanted to, to, to highlight that you didn't even bring up. I mean, we've basically gone one to 12 here. Uh, Ahmad Brown, safety out of Georgia. He is at a extremely small town. Uh, Lane Kiffin actually tweeted out. Uh, I think they landed at the private airport there in Crisp County, uh, which is in Cordell, Georgia. I watched his senior tape, loved it. Uh, plays quarterback, wide receiver, um, 1109 in the hundred, also a basketball guy. He's just a football player. Clemson was in on him, a guy that no one's talking about, but I think can play multiple spots on the back end for the Rebels. You just kind of find a, a, a role for him and, and let him blossom. And then finally, Caden Lee, um, they call him Honeycomb because uh, of his hair, uh, just a super productive pass catcher uh, in Georgia. Excellent route runner. They beat out UCF for him. So uh, they got Aiden Williams, who used to have red hair. I think he had blue hair as well at, at one point. And then they got Caden Lee, who they call Honeycomb because of uh, his 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 uh, locks of love right there. So 
Uh, I'm jealous of the hair uh, that they got bringing to Oxford. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of Caden Lee right now. <laughs> I don't think I've seen or heard a more appropriate nickname. I mean, yeah, it's like the best nickname. That just it. makes way too much sense right there. So shout out to uh, who, whoever came up with the nickname for Caden Lee. All right, Andrew. So as we're putting our finishing touches on 2023, that means we are officially moving on to the class of 2024. And you kind of came up with this idea, but you know, just to get everybody kind of slowly moving this direction, right? And and as we are closing the book to to 2023, it's time. We got to start moving in that direction, right? 2024, me included. And I'm playing a little bit of catch up. So are you. I think you, you got a pretty good feel for it. But each of us, we pick one prospect that we want to highlight. That is our favorite recruit in the class of 2024 so far and i will say it is very early and i am not shocked by yours at all <laughs> that's because i've seen him back-to-back weekends look like i he, he's probably the best high school receiver i've ever seen jeremiah smith get familiar with the name um after we discussed on the on the podcast his performance at battle miami and i know people are gonna roll their eyes oh it's seven on seven i mean this kid does it on friday nights at shamanad madonna prep um he was just awesome at Battle Miami. Then I see him at at Pylon Orlando, and he it's like a, a, a cheat code. And I compared Jeremiah to Julio Jones. I wrote that, and he read he read that story or he saw the video where I talked about it, and then he tweeted out, uh, "Don't compare me to anyone." So I pulled him aside in Orlando, and I'm like, "I'm like I can't win. You know, everyone's pissed at me that a kid's not ranked high enough. Now I'm comparing you to a Pro Bowler, and you're all pissed off about it." And he kind of just laughed and and said that you know he's he's far from a complete product and all that stuff. Coop, I don't know if you've seen the highlights of this kid from the weekend. I I was just there on Saturday. I mean, circus catch after circus catch, uh, and then in, on Sunday he made one of the nastiest one handers ever. He's got big mitts. Uh, he's the, like the surest thing I think so far for me in, in the twenty twenty four cycle. We talked about Caleb Downs being like a safe bet in the class of twenty twenty three. Uh, Brandon Ennis in that same category, like Jeremiah Smith. I don't think we can go wrong. And people will try to poke holes and maybe the top end speed. Um, this kid made it to regional qualifier in the 110 and, and 300 hurdles as a freshman. Um, uh, uncle, excuse me, his cousins, Geno Smith, like he just checks off all the boxes. So, me, Jeremiah Smith, I'm super interested to see who you say here so far as your early favorite <laughs> well you're looking at the rundown i got like three options here but you know i wanted to go outside of the box a little bit i have like an insurance policy and then i have my actual favorite right so my, my actual favorite is elijah brown i just love his game and i love his disposition and i love the way he plays the game and this is uh, not a guy that is going to really blow you away physically in terms of the traits that being said, in terms of playing the position and the command of the position, ultra efficient. I mean, we're talking about a guy over a 70% completion rate playing at modern day against elite level competition has only lost one game. I believe it was a state championship against St. John Bosco, right? His most recent game. So I love everything about him. I, it, you know, and I think there's been a lot of dialogue uh, behind the scenes at 24 seven sports. Where does he kind of fit in, in terms of the big picture, how do we really uh, navigate through 
his physical upside or lack thereof of physical upside to me. Yes, there are some, th- I don't want to say some things in question, but it's not, it's not the physical tools that are elevating him. It's the cerebral game within the game and the command of it. And he's a guy every Friday that I just watch. I did the same thing with Bryce Young at, at the University of Washington when I was there. We had him cut up every week. And earlier in, in his career in modern day, there was a lot of interest between Bryce Young and Washington. That feigned over time. I would still watch him every week because I just loved him. I, he was one of the most entertaining evaluations. Plus, I felt like I learned something every week about all right, this, this is what elite-level quarterback play looks like. And I'm not saying that with Elijah Brown, but when you have a guy like that playing in the Trinity League and every week is important, that level of competition, I enjoy it. So he he's one of my favorite guys to watch. Uh, the other guy that, like, I want to get ahead of here, right, because it kind of seems like Yonze Pierre a little bit, but we have – I think we, I don't want to say we've learned, right? Like the biggest thing at the end of the day is that we get it right, right? When it counts. But Jordan Ross is better positioned at this point than Yonze Pierre was. And edge rusher from Vestavia Hills in Alabama, 6'3 and a half. Quick twitch, explosive, can go speed to power, a little, little raw, but plays with his hair on fire and fast. And I think this guy is going to be a big mover for us. So those are my two. That's that's my insurance policy there. The other guy that I know we're going to talk about at length going forward in this process is Austin Mack, quarterback out of Sacramento, Northern California. I think when you're looking for physical traits, right, this is going to be a guy that like just continues to ascend up the board for those reasons. And regardless of, of whether he maybe has some blemishes on the resume or maybe some things that he needs to correct, a lot of people are, are going to come back to Austin Mack, look at the frame, look at the physical talent with the arm. And that's going to be a guy that, you know, if he continues to progress, he only has a one-year sample size, but it, it was a productive year. It's going to be a guy that I, I, I can continue to see, like strap, strap a rocket to the back of him and, and work his way up the board, right, if, if he keeps with this upward trajectory. So I know you gave me one. Proud of you for doing that. I gave you three, but those are my three right there. Love it, love it, love it, love it. We'll talk. We've already talked a little about Austin Mack and uh, making a commitment, depending on when you're uh, listening to this podcast. But uh, his weightlifting stuff, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that's into the weightlifting. Impressive, snatching 200 pounds at at six seven, pretty difficult to do. So let's get out of here. But uh, love love the list. Let's let's get out of here, man. Congrats on uh, your first or I don't even know. What would you call this? Second signing day? I mean, I guess it's second part of the first signing day, whatever you want to call it. But for Andrew Ivins, our director of scouting here at 24-7 Sports, for our producer, Lance Glenn, guys, we appreciate you listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. One more reminder, make sure you subscribe. Also, leave a comment as well and rate the show. We will see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tatum. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.